Good morning. It is Tuesday, August 18th, and this is Community Pulse, your local report on the coronavirus pandemic in mid-Missouri. You can catch Community Pulse Monday through Thursday at 9 a.m. here on KOPN, and all episodes can be found online at kopn.org and on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Today on Community Pulse, we are joined by Boone County Clerk Brianna Lennon to discuss mail-in voting for the upcoming general election on November 3rd. We'll be covering the ins and outs of how to vote by mail and also address some of the confusion about mail-in versus absentee ballots. On the line is our host, Dr. Elizabeth Oliman, local family physician and host of Your Health Matters, and our guest, Brianna Lennon. Thank you so much for joining us this morning, Brianna. Yeah, thanks for having me. Of course. Good good morning, Tim, and good morning, Brianna. Um, before we get started talking about all of the confusion about ways to vote, um, and I'm so glad we're going to have a clear voice telling us. I want to go through a few numbers. Um, so in Missouri, by Matthew Holloway's numbers, we're things are swinging up. We we are. Uh, 1,455 cases um, yesterday, uh, bringing us close to 70,000 cases. And again, the uh, top counties with the highest percentage of increases varies. Pulaski County, Iron County, Madison County um, in the last 24 hours. Um, Our uh, positivity rate is running around 11%. Um, In Boone County... Um, we have uh, 1,619 documented cases with uh, five deaths. And the Columbia Public Schools uh, tracking number that they're using to determine what's going to happen in the schools is running at 20, which means that as it stands right now, Columbia Public Schools, when they open, if the number is the same, would go to a hybrid model with two days in-person teaching and then uh, three days at home. Um, And... uh, just uh, catching the news that there's a outbreak of uh, COVID-19 in Jefferson City um, with, uh, let's see, what have I got here? Um, 39 residents have tested positive and 29 staff members. Um, the nursing home has 67 residents. They've already had a couple of deaths. And then various city council people are quoted as saying they, they don't need to do any um any more um, regulations because they'd hate to have a knee-jerk reaction. And anyway, I'm just going to let that stand. So, Brianna, talk to us about voting. There's a national conversation about postal service and mail-in voting being exactly the same as absentee voting. And you can, whatever ballot you get, if you, instead of putting it in the mail, you should just take it to your county clerk's office. And I have been watching you respond to all of these responses on Facebook in, a, in an incredibly heroic way. So please clarify <laughs> what it is that Missouri voters need to know and then specifically what Boone County need, voters need to know. Yeah, absolutely. So, yes, the national conversation, it's, it's one of the um, concerns. And this does happen for, for most every election because people want to amplify elections messaging, which is fantastic. But a lot of times people forget that all of the elections are really conducted by states. And then not only 
is the policy and the procedure set by states, but then it's enacted at the local level. So anytime you see something that blanketly says something about the way elections are conducted in the United States or has no uh, specificity with regard to what jurisdiction they're talking about, be super ho aware and hypervigilant that um, you're checking with your local election authority, which if you're in Boone County would be the clerk's office, uh, to make sure that whatever that information is actually does apply. So um, we are putting out our own information on our Facebook page and on our Twitter, and then we also have our website uh, to refer people to. So regarding voting by mail, I think there's two big things that are happening now uh, as more people are getting interested in voting in November. One is that not everybody realized that we did have a law that was passed in June that created this bifurcation between absentee and mail-in voting. And um, what I have, I've tried to, when people have called and um, asked me about this as well, is the mail-in voting component of it, the one that must be put in a mailbox, must be mailed to us, takes a lot of affirmative steps for voters to vote in the first place. There's really no way to accidentally request a mail-in ballot. If you've requested a ballot to be mailed to you and you used our website, for example, you asked for an absentee ballot. So all of the conversation about how mail-in ballots specifically have to be returned through the mail, that does not apply because it only applies to mail-in ballots that are requested by mail. So it means that if you're at home and you want a mail-in ballot, you're printing out a PDF, you're filling it out, you're mailing it to our office. If you're doing any other kind of application, then you're voting absentee. And you can return absentee ballots to our office or by mail. Um, and the other thing that I wanted to point out is that uh, the post office conversation we've been having for a very long time with our local post office just to make sure that we're all on the same page and that we're all working towards the same goal of making sure that every ballot that they have in their possession gets to us by 7 p.m. on election night. And one of the things that we're doing to further along that goal is uh, we will have signs out beginning the, the beginning part of absentee voting, which starts September 22nd. Those uh, collection boxes that are on the street outside of the downtown Columbia Walnut post office, one of those boxes will have a sign on it that says ballot drop box. So people that need to mail it or would prefer to mail it can put it in that drop box and it will be uh, sent to us. We will make sure that it gets to us. And um, we aren't able, the other question we get a lot is whether we can have our own drop box. And we've been advised that we cannot. So um, Missouri law doesn't have any kind of provision for that at the moment. So, okay. uh, so Brandon, there is, there is a, a, a box that looks like a drop box that sits outside of the Boone County Government Center, and that's a place where you can pay your taxes and put other things. But you cannot put a ballot in there. Is that right? You should not, no. Okay. <laughs> um, can I just politely recommend that you put a clear sign on there that says that no, it, don't put a ballot in here? Yeah, absolutely. Because I I feel like I'm a fairly informed person, and I stood there in front of that box saying, I don't think I can put a ballot in here. Can I put a ballot in here? And it doesn't say don't put a ballot. It just says what you can put in there. 
And one of the things that we are planning to do for November is um, having an, an outside type of location that we can have a staff person at that can receive ballots. So you won't be able to gotcha. put it in the drop box, but you can always give it to our staff, and we can always curbside collect them. Um, okay. So that's something that we are going to be doing as we get closer to um, the election, just because we are aware that many people want to drop off their ballots in a more contactless type of situation, and and we can certainly accommodate for that. That's why curbside voting exists uh, in the first place. Yeah. So so it sounds like, in summary, most people in Boone County who are doing something other than voting in person will be voting absentee. Yeah. For for perspective, the other thing that I've been sharing with people is we had 8,300 requests for either absentee or mail-in ballots for the August election. Of that 8,300, only about 150 were the mail-in ballots that were created under this new law. So it's a very small fraction of people that are um, requesting mail-in ballots, and they are available. Um, I mean, people can ask for them. It's just that I wanted to remind people that just because you got a mailed absentee ballot does not mean that you got a mail-in ballot, which I know is the most confusing sentence that I've probably ever said in my life. But I, it I would be nice if I'm we just could, sitting here thinking, yeah. I know we were trying to expand vote to more people, but we did definitely create a confusion, didn't we? Well, and really the big the big positive of the law change was that we got the seventh excuse of the at-risk categories for COVID-19 to be added to the absentee list. That's, that's really when the law changed. That was what the clerk's association, local election authorities were advocating for, was trying to get that excuse in the absentee list. So you can apply for an absentee ballot if you believe yourself to be at risk for getting COVID-19. So there is a listing, and we've included it on our website as well, that uh, the law does have a delineated list. One of those things is being over 65 years old. One of those things is having asthma. Um, we have the, the Secretary of State's office created a PDF. We have that shared on our um, website as well. And uh, the other question we get a lot is, do I have to show documentation when I – submit these requests. And it's it's the same as if you were out of town and voting absentee. We don't ask for travel records. We don't check to make sure that you actually were out of town. Um, it is uh, on the, the voter to make the statement and then sign the statement that, you know, they are in that category or they are going to be out of town or whatever reason they're choosing on their absentee application. Okay. So... Um, <laughs> If you are, if you did apply for an absentee ballot, so talk talk about which things need to be notarized. Um, so the mail-in ballots, the one that you would have to print out, sign, mail back to our office, those all do need to be notarized. Um, if you're going to apply for one of those, when you before you put them in the mail, the ballot envelope itself has to be notarized. For absentee ballots. Um, Kind of the default is that they have to be notarized with two big exceptions. One is the at-risk for COVID category. The new um, category 
when it passed in the law, has a notary exception to it. So that one does not need to be. There's a second excuse called incapacity or confinement due to illness. Um, those ballots also do not need to be notarized. So there's two of them. And if you've requested an absentee ballot and you've gotten it in the mail uh, for the August election, we made sure to note on the envelope itself if a notary is not required. Gotcha. So when you, when you get it and you're going to fill it out and you're going to check whichever box it is, it's going to say whether the notary is not required. Okay. And I'm guessing it will also say if a notary is required. Yeah, so the bottom of it will have the place for the notary. So the the default is that it does need to be notarized. You do not have to have it notarized for those two other categories. Okay. Um, and and people can vote in person absentee starting September in September, correct? Yes. So September 22nd is when absentee voting begins, which means that's when we're sending out mailed ballots, but it also means that we are open in the office to do in-person absentee. So if you do have concerns about utilizing the post office or, or you just want to make sure that you get your ballot in and, and kind of get it out of the way, then if you are wanting to vote absentee, you can come to our office, um, bring a form of identification, we have you fill out the, the application right here. We give you a ballot. You put it directly in one of our voting machines, and you are done. You're taken care of. And is there one way of voting that is less burdensome to the clerk's office? Um, I mean, really the important thing for us is that because there's so much planning and uncertainty that goes into COVID-19, having a really good turnout throughout the absentee period um, helps us because, you know, we're making sure that people get taken care of, they get their vote cast, they're assured that it's counted, and then when we get to November 3rd, um, anybody that votes in person, we have enough staff to take care of, we have enough polling places to take care of them. This is going to be an incredibly high turnout election. So um, to me, it really doesn't make too big a difference which method that you use, but we would um, encourage anybody that is eligible to vote absentee or wants to take advantage of the mail-in ballot and doesn't mind having to print it out and mail it um, to do that because it helps, you know, kind of defray the number of people that are going to be showing up at the polling places on November 3rd. Gotcha. So, so it sounds like the biggest um, challenge to your office right now is trying to staff up for in-person voting on Election Day. Yes. Gotcha. So talk a little bit about that. If people are feeling civic-minded and would like to um, help out the, the voting process, um, you can help the county clerk's office on Election Day. Yeah. So there's two ways, really, because with the increase in um, – absentee ballots, we also need bipartisan election judge teams to help process those ballots. So we will need election judges to serve at the polling places. It's, um, it, well, I know you've served as an election judge before. I, yeah. I like to say that it's very rewarding. We do pay you. Um, the base rate is $160, and then you get paid for training and, uh, <clears throat> and setting up and things like that. Um, and so we do have those needs 
because every polling location needs at least four judges, and for these larger elections, we need way more than four judges at each polling location. Right. Uh, and you can sign up on our website. We have a form that's already up to, to sign up on our website or on the Secretary of State's website. And then uh, if you're interested and you don't want to do, um, you know, you want something a little less public or you um, aren't able to work all day because the polling place election judges work from 4.30 in the morning until 8.30 at night, uh, we do need absentee teams. And they start the Thursday before the election. Uh, we start processing Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. So if you're interested in learning more about how absentee ballots are processed and counted, which is a really big thing that people want to know about right now, you can be a part of it right. and you can sign up as an election judge and just kind of shoot us an email and, and let us know that you'd be interested in serving as an absentee judge. So those are a little bit shorter shifts than the however the 150-hour, it seems like, shifts on election day. Yes, it's a little more flexible because um, you're in our office and you're just working with one other person as you're uh, right. processing ballots. So it depends on how many ballots we get, but um, it's more days, but shorter days. Gotcha. Um, and can a, does a person need to commit to all of those days, or is there some flexibility in the in the schedule? Um, those are flexible because we, we gotcha. can schedule around people. Yeah, I'm going to just give a little plug for working as an election judge. Um, uh, it is a long day. Yes, it is. But you can feel like you're right in the center of the most important thing that's happening in the whole country. And so you, if you are a person who has any sort of fear of missing out, I want to tell you that you're missing out if you have not been an election judge. So the training is really, um, uh, really well done, and you get paid for the training, and then you get paid for the day, maybe more, maybe less than what you would make at your regular job. It is usually very easy to get the day off because most people, most employers are civic-minded. If you are a high school student and you are over 18, you can typically get the day off of school, um, and your civics teachers will think that you're just really awesome. Um, you get to work with people in a different party than you because the election judges have to be paired. They can't both be in the same party. Um, so that means that you work alongside people who probably aren't going to vote the way you are and aren't going to aren't supporting the same candidates that you are. But you can't talk about the specific candidates. So here you are with people you know you disagree with, and you're talking about politics and elections but not about the parts you disagree with. And it really did, has changed my heart about hope for this country. So you get hopefulness um, and you get to watch your fellow citizens. Clearly, some of them are taking a huge effort to get into the polling place and to cast their vote. And it's, it's more of a cross-section of what the community looks like than in most of the other places that I go to. It was so lovely to feel like I was part of my whole community, even though you're only working in one polling place and only dealing with people from that part of town. But um, anyway, and then you're an election judge, so you can tell all of your family and friends that you're a judge and tell them that you get to make all the decisions and, you know, really move that up as in as much theatrics as you want to for, you know, a few days around the election. And the only downside really is that it's a really long day that you 
Um, you do get up in the middle of the night and you are working until you're really tired. But I will say there's also something really special about being up pre-dawn and driving around on streets where no one else is up and knowing that, again, that you're a part of the central part of it. So that's, that's my plug, Brianna. Did I leave anything out? No, that was that was fantastic. We should hire you for commercials. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, it, it, so are you concerned about what is going on with the post office and all of our conversations? Are you concerned that that's going to impact people in Boone County being able to vote? Um, I think to the extent that uh, voters can really mitigate any kind of effects that would happen with the post office by getting their request in early, getting it in now so that you're in the first round of mailed ballots that go out. If you're in if you apply now and you're in that first round, you're gonna get your ballot even before October. And if you send your ballot back in early October, we are absolutely going to get it. I mean, I can't imagine a delay of any kind that would stop mail from inside Columbia to another place in Columbia from the beginning of October until November third. So I um, have been trying to emphasize that regardless of what information we're hearing about, what kind of delays, we can help mitigate that by having voters request early, getting their ballot back early. And um, I talked to other election authorities in other states, especially the ones that are exclusively vote by mail. And that's really the messaging that everyone's trying to put out is, if you are concerned about delays, the most important thing you can do is just get your request in early or come into the office and do in-person absentee. If you are already going to apply for an absentee ballot, feel free to come into our office. Um, we have uh, socially distanced lines. We have plexiglass in front of each of our deputy clerks, and we have uh, hand sanitizer everywhere, and we all wear masks. So. Um, there yeah, and you make everybody else wear masks. It's a totally, I have been in and out of your office. I am a, you know, being very careful about this viral pandemic, as everybody who's listening to this show would know. And I felt, um, I did not feel at all like I was putting my health at risk to go and um, interact with your staff around voting. So y'all are doing great. a great job. That's great. Yeah, I I will say that I've been in and out of that building um, fairly often. My husband worked in that building when we were courting and when we were first married. And so it, the one thing for me is I have to remind myself to look at the floor to tell me where I'm supposed to go rather than just going where I think I would typically go. So the if when you go into the building, there's a lot of directions that they're marked beautifully on the floor. But if you're looking up at the beauty of the building, you'll miss it. So, um, yeah, the... It is, you're doing a great job about making that easy. So I wonder about polling places. Are you going to be able to fully staff your typical um, number of polling places? I think that we will. Um, we've had a lot of interest. I mean, um, one of my favorite things about Boone County is that everybody is very engaged. And so when we put out a call for volunteers, I mean, we've, um, in <laughs> while I've been on this phone call, my uh, judge coordinator said we got 42 poll worker applications overnight. So people are interested and they're engaged, and I feel really good about that. Um, the other thing we 
are making sure is that all of our polling locations are available because lots of times people don't think about the fact that we always have to, for every election, we have to ask every polling place we use whether they're available um, or whether they have any concerns uh, or whether they still are operating. Um, there are, we've had polling places that in between elections have just stopped operating and they're not available anymore or the building has sold. Um, so those are the things that we work on now to make sure that we're ready for November. And so um, this is the time that we are uh, reaching out to everybody and finalizing those locations. Okay, and are you are some of your locations still in schools, or is that and is that going to be an issue? We will be using schools for November. Um, we were very fortunate. Um, CPS has been a really wonderful partner, and we we got to use them in June and in August, and uh, we will be able to use them in November. They had already scheduled it as a uh, work day, so. Gotcha. Um, okay, so to, there won't be students in the classrooms, and they right. won't need to be handling that. Okay. Right. right. Yeah. So um, as we're winding down here, I'm wondering if you would go over again what the options are for non-in-person voting for the November election, and what is required, which ones can be mailed in, and which ones require a notary and which how you can go through the absentee voting. I, I We just have to go through it so many times. Sure. So um, if you are looking to not vote in person on November 3rd, you really have two options. You can do in-person absentee voting. That's, that's still in person, but it's in our office, and you have to fill out an absentee application. If you want a ballot mailed to you, the law that passed in June created two pathways to do that. One is absentee voting, which is the same as we've always had absentee voting, but with a, an extra excuse, if you're in a category that is at risk for COVID-19, then you can apply for an absentee ballot. That absentee ballot uh, will then be mailed to you, and then you can return it directly to our office, or you can put it in the mail. Um, you can apply for an absentee ballot on our website, or by emailing an application, or by mailing us an application. The other option that the law created is called a mail-in ballot. And I would encourage people to think of it as a mail-only ballot. That's really the big difference between absentee and the gotcha. new ballot. So mail-only means you can apply for it by mail only. You can't use our website to apply for it. You can come in person and apply for it too, but you can't vote it there. So if you're going to vote mail-in, you might as well mail in your application. Uh, we then mail you your mail-in ballot. You get it, you fill it out. It ha there's no option to have it not notarized. So you have to take it to a notary, and then you have okay. to put it in the mail. You can't take it to our office. So those are the gotcha. two big things. And most people fall into the absentee category, so I would encourage people to look at that option first before they start thinking about um, mail-in ballots. But that is an option as well. Okay. And... Um for anything other than in-person voting on election day, you should do it early. And you can start doing all of that. What date? You can start applying right now. We have okay. Uh, we have thousands of applications on file already, and okay, we will be putting them into the system as soon as the November election is uh, certified to us, so that we can 
start processing those, and then anything that we've received up till September 22nd, that mail's going out that week because that's the beginning of absentee voting. So, uh, if you apply so September now, 22nd, so right now, yep. apply, you can apply for your absentee ballot or your mail-only ballot right now. Right now, right now. You can right go on now. our website and, and then, learn more about it. Okay, and then on September 22nd, you can uh, you will receive it soon after that, or you can go into the clerk's office and vote absentee in person. Correct. Okay. So anybody who is thinking they want to be an early bird about the election, which gives you many things. One of them is that if you get calls from people at urging you to vote for someone, you can say, I've already voted. So there's that. There's that. And uh, But now it's a time to start to think about your plan for voting in November, and you can get started by applying either for a mail-only ballot or an absentee ballot. Great. You got it. So – Thank you, Brianna Lennon. Uh, Brianna's going to be on again, um, strategically placed two more times, once in September and once in October, to help people um, remember how they can, uh, their options for voting. But I'm hoping that all of Community Pulse listeners will have already voted or have already gotten things together by the time we have you on the, in late October. Yes, that, yes. By the time we get to October, hopefully we'll have uh, received the bulk of the applications we're going to get in uh We'll be processing all of them. Thank you so much, Brianna. Thank you for listening. And uh, we'll be, uh, Jenny will be in your ears tomorrow, and I'll be in your ears on Thursday. Thank you so much. And thanks to both of you. That is it for today's edition of Community Pulse. If you missed part of this program or want to catch it later in the day, you can find it at kopn.org and also on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Coming up next is an abridged version of Background Briefing. Starting next week, Community Pulse will begin airing twice a week on Mondays and Wednesdays from 9 to 9.30 a.m., followed by two new half-hour programs from 9.30 to 10 between the lines on Mondays and 51% on Wednesdays. Background Briefing will return to airing in its entirety on Tuesdays and Thursdays from 9 to 10 a.m. Thanks for sticking with us and for keeping your radio dial tuned to KOPN 89.5 FM. Columbia.